Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Praise God, champion. Once again, thank you for joining us here at Wednesday Night Live. Hey, listen, Jesus is Lord. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. And guess what? We do the impossible because of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us this evening as we go to the Word of God. I'm dealing tonight with, uh, continue with the message, seven things that you and I are supposed to do with the Word of God. So let's go into prayer today and then we'll get into the Word. And right before we get into prayer, I want to read you some verses of Scripture to give a little foundation. And uh, these Scriptures are just something I wanted to give you right now before you, you get them on the text on the screen. But listen to this, Psalm 119. I love that. that that's a tremendous psalm. And uh, all of it, Psalm 119. But listen to this. In verse 57, it says, You are my portion, Lord. I have said that I would keep your words. I said I would keep your words. You're my portion in no matter what's going on. You're my portion. I said, I said to myself, I said to Ardaragon. That's what every one of us ought to say. I say to me. I don't swear to anybody. I don't promise. I swear. I can say to myself, I will keep the word because it's my portion. Another scripture said with me, he said this, thou has dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. So the way God deals with us is according to the word, not through tragedy, not through situations. That's why we need to understand the word of God. Then he says this, uh, he said, my soul would have fainted for salvation, but I hope in your word. So my hope is in your word. So therefore I understand salvation is a word because my the anchor of my soul is connected to the word of God. And then this last one, this is important while we get into this. Seven things do the word. Listen to this. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Forever thy word is settled. Well, if the word of God is settled, then you and I must become settled. Don't let the situations, the, 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 the chaos in the streets, the chaos going on right now to, to rattle you. It shouldn't not do that at all. You can live stress-free. Uh, so I, I was listening to a general the other day and they asked him, uh, they asked him, uh, what keeps you up at night? He goes, absolutely nothing. He says, the way I live, I keep the enemy up all night. I like that statement when he said that. Can you imagine that? He, he, he made that, that bold statement. I don't st- I stay awake. I keep the enemy up all night. That's the confidence of a leader. You're a personal leader when you got the word of God. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 3. And let me pray with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I appreciate my salvation. I appreciate the fact I'm washed in the blood. I appreciate that I'm Bible saved, that through Jesus Christ and what happened on the cross and the, sacrifi- the, the substitutionary act that took place there, I'm born again. I become a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things became new. Then you called me into the ministry, establishing this ordaining factor, and you ordained me to be your servant. Now I stand here this day giving utterances by the Spirit of God, speaking by the Spirit of God with the Word of God. I believe these words will not fall lifeless, but will produce for the kingdom of God. And Holy Spirit, you're the greatest teacher there is. Thank you for teaching through my life, through my lips, these words of life. And they will administer and you'll open the hearing ears to hear, the uh, seeing eyes to see what the word of God has to say in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. All right. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 3. I started this last week. 
And once again, let me introduce this. This is seven things that you and I are to do with the Word of God. And this is part two of this series. And in Nehemiah chapter 83, I took more time to explain Nehemiah last, last week, so I encourage you to go back to last Wednesday. But I wanted to read one portion of Scripture here in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 3, to once again to set the foundation of this particular message. And he said this, And he read therefore before, uh, before the streets, and there was before the water gate from morning until midday. And he, listen to what he read, how he read, before the men, the women, and those that could understand. And I like this part. And the ears of all the people were attentive uh, to, unto the book of the law. So here you find that Nehemiah is establishing himself and he comes up as, as a, as a uh, as cupbearer, if you will. Then he becomes a wall builder. And as a wall builder, he starts to doubt this. And then later on in the book of Nehemiah, he becomes the governor. But here is the leader in making. And he started off as a cupbearer and he makes, he goes out into the street. And according to the verse, and the ears of all the people were attentive. Now, it's interesting to me that psychologists and a lot of people that do studies today, they say that the attention span of an individual is now been so reduced that they can't really pay attention any longer than maybe 30 minutes. So society's told preachers, shut it down to 20 to 30 minutes because that's all people can listen to. Well, now they did this from morning till night, but here's the reason. People gave their attention to it. You ever notice that when a person goes to a movie, they'll go stand in line for hours to an epic film. They'll stand in line hours and then they'll tell somebody, you stay in line, I got to go to the restroom or get something. I'll be back and they don't want to be cut. Then they rush to get in. And then there are people that will uh, have to use the restroom while the movie's on, but they don't want to miss anything. So they stay in their seat, a little discomforted. And then after the movie, man, they got to run. Or if they do make a break for it in the middle of that epic film of theirs, they'll run to the restroom and run back and then ask, what I miss, what I miss, what I miss. They don't want to miss anything. So the attention span is not what they're saying. The attention span is by choice. Here, the scripture says, the ears of the people were attentive. You're attentive to what you want to be attentive to. You pay attention and your ears are open. And once something is that good, you want it to go on and on and on and on. So here he says, under the book of the law. It's not about the personality of the preacher, although the minister has something to do with it. However, it is the essence of the word of God we're giving ourselves to. Words are life and death. And you get words of life and death from the written word of God. That's where you and I get it from. Now, the first, before we go on, I notice this, he said the book of the law. All right, now think, look at that, the book of the law. So before we get started, the first five books of the Old Testament, as we refer to it as, are referred to as these two statements, actually three. One is the word Pentateuch. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Hebrew word, Pentateuch. They also refer to the first five books of the Bible as the word Torah. Very important to what I've already told you about the seven things to do with the word, which is in the Hebrew dialect is the word law. So the word Pentateuch means the scroll, the writings, and Torah means the law. So there was the writings of the prophet and then the laws given to that prophet, Moses, 
and how he was to present all that with the deliverance. And, and it's also referred to in Scripture as the Law of Moses or the four, five books of Moses through Scripture. This is very important that we understand this because what they had was not this. What you and I have here, the leather-bound Bible with the print in there, red letter edition with a little marker on the inside. They didn't have those. That was not in print. So in order for them to have the Word of God in their heart, it had to be utilized by the Scripture that emphasizes faith comes by hearing and it comes by hearing the Word of God. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now put yourself back over to the time frame here where, where Moses was speaking. If you and I put yourself there, they didn't have Bibles like you and I have today. They didn't have the internet like you and I have today. They didn't have uh, all the different mechanism tools available for them to get it. They had one tool, ears. They had to hear it. And in order for them to hear the word, the prophet or the teachers did not go from tent to tent to tent to tent and tent to tent. They, the people came with attentive ears. They came to give attention to the reading of the word. We're going to get in that in a moment. Now watch this. So it's called the, the Pentateuch, which is the scroll, the writings, but it wasn't written on the kind of paper that you and I have today. And... They had to hear what was called the law. Now, we're going to get to that in a moment because the word of God instills law in us, a moral law, a righteous law. It causes us to live right. The word does this. The word of God is supreme over everything else. It doesn't matter what words you hear on TV, see on TV. If it does not line up with this, then it's not so. Uh, and so this is important that we've got to realize this. Now, the seven things, let me reiterate, that we're supposed to do with the Word of God. The seven things we do with the Word is, number one, is we read the Word of God. Number one, read the Word of God. Now, the second thing is you hear the Word of God. Number three is we're to study the Word of God. And then number four, we're supposed to meditate the Word of God. And then we're supposed to pray the Word of God. Six, confess the Word of God. And seven, share the Word of God. Now, you cannot share the Word of God in its accuracy, in its completeness, until you are personally having your personal confession that the Word of God works. You can't talk to somebody about healing if you're not telling your own body, be well in the name of Jesus, be healed. Be, you know, thank God, if you don't rise up in the morning, Father, thank you for my salvation. Thank God that I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And not only me, you've redeemed others. Give me the courage and the boldness to tell somebody else what you've been doing. And that won't happen unless you're praying the Word of God. Father, I'm thanking you. I see right here in the Word of God where you said that you, I would never be forsaken. I would never be, I would never beg for bread. You said you were my shepherd. I received that. I, pray, I thank you right now. Boy, we go to Word on that Word and start doing this. And then we can't pray that unless we're meditating on it, getting it down on the inside of us. Meditate means to chew it up, swallow it, and spit it back up, chew it again, swallow it, and keep doing that till it gets so thick on the inside. How do you do that? Keep meditating on the Word. He, for he was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities, and the chastised my peace upon him with the stripes I'm healed. Do that. Say that over all day long. Until 
a, a revelation comes after you meditated on it. Now, then you study. I'm backing these up now. And then you study the Word of God. And then you hear the Word of God read. You will not hear the Word of God as enthusiastic unless you're willing to read the Word. And you won't. And once you hear the word, it draws you, gives you a motivation to study the word of God. Once you started study the word of God, you've got the substance to meditate the word of God. And once that substance is such a real, the confidence of praying the word of God comes out. And then you can't help it. It just starts coming out of you, the confessing of the word of God, regardless of what's going on. And then you start sharing the word. These are the seven things we do with the word. Now, in what we know, going back a little bit, the five books of the Bible, in order for us to confess, to do the seven things, we have to understand that they're, they're, they're the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. What, what do they actually mean? This is how you and I read and study. Genesis means the beginning. Well, the beginning of what? I mean, we know that. People say, well, I know it's, it's the, the book of Genesis means the beginning of all things. Well, that's true. It means the birth. Of the universe. And God said let there be light. So Genesis said that. When we read that word in the beginning. What does that mean to us? Now it also means the design and introduction of mankind. The, the beginning was the very design. That's, so if you've got to know who you are in Christ today. You better know the original design. Because we have been made new creatures Old things passed away. Why did he get rid of the old? What, what was the new design patterned after? The design that was in Adam. So God, did, when Adam stood up, he looked face to face at God. God said, this is good. They looked straight at each other. And God saw himself in Adam. And Adam saw himself in God. It was a mirror reflection back and forth. And the old things, now that were born again, passed away. All things have become new. Become new. Genesis, the design and introduction of mankind. It's also, unfortunately, the tragic introduction of the generation of spiritual death. Otherwise known as sin. It was the introduction of sin. Deuteronomy uh, makes a statement uh, in regards to things. You have to study that out. Deuteronomy chapter 11, 26, 29. That they had a, God had to do this to them. And this is why it's important. We read the word. And remember, they didn't have Bibles. like When they were moving around the tent, they, didn't, they couldn't go down to the Bible bookstore tent and buy their Bibles. They didn't do that. But what they did is they would gather every man, every husband, every, every father, and every mother would gather their children. They'd all come out and they'd all move to the center of two mountains and they'd get between these two mountains and on Mount, uh, Mount uh, uh, Gerasim, the one mountain, the Bible says the blessings were on there. Six of the priests were on that side and they would read out loud all of the blessings and the people would stand at attention and listen to the blessing and they would say amen and amen and amen. That's why, listen church, when you're in church and you hear how blessed you are, you should just stare. Amen. That's us. Yeah, you're talking about me. Yes. Why do we sit so silent? These are the blessings. Oh, my God. The people stood at attention and when they would say, and this is what the promise. Amen. 
and the father would say it, and the mother would say it, and the children would say it. Your children will never shout unto God with the voice of triumph unless the daddies do it and the mamas do it. They will never do it unless the parents get up early and get themselves clean and come to church. Listen, this is the time for social assembly, not social distancing. We need to come together. I know I'm on. I'm, you're watching me, and this is awesome. But listen, we need to see you in church because God said, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. Get your wife, get your children. If, if for some reason, uh, whatever it may be, maybe you're a widow, maybe you're a single parent, get, get your children to come. If you're single, not married, get to church, get there, give them the Bible. Don't come in late, don't come after praise and worship. Come in and get a smile on your face. Get your Bible open and watch this. This is important, they would do this. And then on the other mountain, they would, so the six priests were there, and that mountain is Ebel, and that mountain, they would announce the curses. And see, if you don't obey, this is what will happen. So they had the blessing and the curses. They understood it. The word shares with you the blessing. See, a lot of people say, well, I live in love. God loves me and God lives in grace. Yes, but if you don't follow that, it wasn't that God was going to curse them. He said, these are the curses if you don't obey. Right around me right now as you're watching me, uh, there are lights around me. And uh, these lights are all governed by electricity. Right now, they are on because of electricity being fed to them through outlets and plugs. And, and so right now, this is harnessed power. But if I take a fork and put it in the same outlet that's harnessing this, there's an electrician that takes place. So I could violate the power source by sticking a fork in it and then say, I'm going to sue somebody because they messed up. I'm never going to use electricity again because I stuck my fork in that. And look what happened. God is, that elect, the electric company is such bad people. They don't want me to have any fun. No, man. Could you realize that if we would just obey the Ten Commandments, you'd never have to lock your front door again? So all you got to do is just obey the Ten Commandments. If we would just obey the Ten Commandments, nobody would be on the street today yelling. Nobody would be out doing that kind of stuff. If we, if we were governed by moral law on the inside. So if we go by the blessing, the blessing is just not a blessing. The blessing contains the law factor and it keeps you in moral righteous living. So when you live for moral righteous living, the blessing's automatic and the curse is removed. That's why we read. This is what we've got to do. The word exodus means going out. It means the mass departure. It means to tell Israel, get out of your bondage. Well, I'm here to tell you, get out of your bondage. I'm here to get a mass exodus. Get, get out of all the stress and all the mess and all that junk. How? Get to the Word of God. Get into the living Word and get to it. The word Leviticus means relating to the Levites. And this book is where all the laws were explained. And all of the benefits were explained regarding if you do these laws, not just against you, but if you do them, this is what happens. You get these blessings. If not, this goes on. The book of Numbers is called the Numbers because it relates to the number of tribes and all the Israelites and all what they had to do. And all of the blessings were for all of them. That's why they numbered them. It's blessing to you. It's a blessing to you. It's a blessing to you. If the curse, if you don't do it, that curse is out there. Don't get involved with that curse. But if you, if you don't obey the law, this is what happens. So listen to me. The blessings on my home, the blessings on your home. But if we violate, then we are subs we become uh, we become prey for the curse that's out there. 
The last one is Deuteronomy, which means the second law, because Deuteronomy means that Moses had to reintroduce the law again. You would think that once they left and had the massive exodus, and they were already told about the law and the blessing and the curses, that you would think they'd get it. No, they had to repeat it again. That's why we have to constantly keep doing what we do. (coughs) Excuse me. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 in uh, verse 9 through 12 in the Amplified Version makes this statement. Furthermore, because the preacher was wise, he, Solomon, taught the people knowledge. We're teaching you knowledge. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm teaching you knowledge. Knowledge of what the scriptures mean and what they do. And then he, Solomon, the teacher, pondered on it, searched out and set in order many proverbs, many statements, many things that, that need to be done. The preacher sought out acceptable words, words that would be applicable. You know that in scripture there's two major factors. I learned this from a great preacher, Dr. Lester Summerall. He said there's historical truth and pertinent truth. Historical and pertinent truth. The word pertinent means currently right now and how do I apply it? Historical truth means things that we know that happened, people did exist, things they went through. Now, we realize this, that Moses uh, took his rod and we know that he parted, that uh, he slammed it and the Red Sea parted. We realize that. You will never go to a lake and just hit that just arbitrarily because you're a Christian and have the water split because you don't want to go to the other side because you don't want to drive around or use a boat or whatever. No, that's not going to happen. There was a, a, a deliverance still in motion, a massive exodus command by God. I am that I said I am. Tell them and I'll be with them and I'll stick with them. And he gave them a pillar by night and a cloud and a cloud by day. And then when they got in another jam in motion, God Split God and Moses together split that Red Sea and all the children of Israel walked across on the other side. Those manifestations weren't for themselves. It was for everybody. That's what a leader does. I don't study just for you. I study, uh, uh, I study and I give you the overflow of my life so that you can walk in the blessed state. Every preacher worth his grain of salt ought to be doing that. So down reading the Bible on a regular basis is vital. Listen close to my, these statements. Reading the Bible on a regular basis is vital. It'd be good if right where you're at, if you could just say this with me, reading my Bible is vital to me. But, but it doesn't stand right there. Listen to this. There's a twofold application that I want to say to you here. The first is, is, very, is, is the very necessity and the foundation, the reading. But the conjoining part of that, you ever, you ever see it? I know it's a, uh, from a natural standpoint, not... Uh, 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 you know, a little hard to look at, but conjoining twins. You, you, we see they're conjoined, they're together. Well, reading and obeying are the conjoining twins. They need to be a part of it. Like, you can't be a hearer only and not a doer. Well, you can't be a reader and not an obeyer. You've got to be re- willing to read and obey what you read. That's that moral law we're talking about. So it's the conjoining part or component is in the obeying part. Obeying. Now there could be no power or authority provided without knowledge and there's no knowledge without reading and studying God's word. The proper reaction is just not the reading, it's the obeying part. Read and obey. Read and obey. So it is vital that I read and it is vital that I obey. It's vital that I read and it's vital that I obey. Isaiah 1.19 says it's, it, that uh, I would did you be willing and obedient to eat the good of the lamb. You've got to be willing and obedient to eat the good of the lamb. Not just willing because a lot of people are willing but they're not obedient. 
You got other people that are obedient, but their whole attitude stays because they're not willing. You got to be willing and obedient. Then the good of the land becomes yours and you get to partake of it. In um, Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 8, this, uh, version, this uh, uh, ver, um, uh, contemporary English version of this makes this statement. Don't forget to write out a copy of these laws on the stone, on the stone slabs <clears throat> that you're going to set up. Make sure that the writing is easy to read. So they're, as they're producing and going out of, out, of, out of Egypt, I mean, out of Egypt, they're supposed to make memorials as stones. And in the stones, they write it. You know, when they left, they said, write on the, the stone on the head, top of your, on the top of your door, on the sides of your door. Make it for frontlets. They told their children, they would write it down. The priests would have the word inscribed on their garments, on their clothes. Everywhere they looked, they had scripture written all over them. Everywhere that they look, the body of Christ needs scriptures. We just don't need, need apps. We need scripture in our heart. We need scriptures that we talk. We need, it, we need scripture engraved on our hearts, our spirit man. We need scripture to renew our mind. We need scripture that we speak. We need scriptures that give us joy unspeakable. Well, we could just be standing there and think of a verse of scripture. Joy comes on you presence of God comes on you where you begin to just have a tear in your eye and you remember if it wasn't for Jesus I might not be alive today if it wasn't for Jesus Christ I might not be in this marriage today if it wasn't for Jesus my baby could have died but look at what Jesus did I have a child today if it wasn't for Jesus I would be homeless today if it wasn't for Jesus I wouldn't drive my car today if it wasn't for Jesus I would have been paralyzed if it wasn't for Jesus and oh my God, if when we go to the Word, we're so grateful that. We should ask ourselves these questions. Are you ready? Ask yourself this. Is God's Word precious to me? Ask yourself that question. Is God's Word precious to me? Number two, what I believe will always manifest in my speech and actions. And does it? What I believe always manifests in my speech and my actions. And does it? Ask yourself that question. Here's another one. What am I thinking about day to day? What am I talking about day to day? What I'm talking about reveals what I'm thinking about. What I'm saying on a regular basis talks about, think, we'll think about that. Here's another one. Stop for just a moment in the midday and ask yourself, what am I doing? What am I doing? Am I about my father's business? Or am I caught up in the world's affairs? Am I about my father? See, when you read the word of God, moral issue, the moral law comes into place. Is, watch this, is my life truly shaped by his word or is it shaped by religious people or friendships that I have? Once again, I've said this for years. Show me your friends and I'll tell you what you think about yourself. If you hang around spiritual felons, then you're just as guilty as they are. Spiritual felons are people that violate other people and then call it God. They deal with that stuff I'm, and they're spiritual felons. There are people that will violate other Christians with their mouth. They speak bad about them. They gossip. They backbite. They tear them down. They ridicule and they laugh behind their back. They could care less about them. They'll ignore them. They wish they weren't around anymore. They'll try to do what they can to get them out of church. And then whatever, whatever they could do. You ever notice the spiritual felons, once they leave an assembly, they all gather together. They didn't get along when they were in church, but they gather around. The only thing they have in common now is that they hate where they came from. There are a lot of people voting one way 
way or the other because they hate one candidate and not the other. It, that's, the re that's not the correct way to vote. You vote your vow. Your vow is your vote. Your vote, your vote is your vow. I vote the word of God and the living word. Here's another one. Is my day littered with all other things and yet missing something that's supposed to be precious to me? The word. What do you, what's in your word? Is it cluttered or is it filled? Is your, is your word, a, is your spirit man a mansion that you, that you furnish with the living word of God? Or is it a, a, a garage that you just use as a junkyard and collect things out on the street to other people's goods? Let me give you this last, last two verses of scripture. Acts 15, 21 says this, Holman Christian tra translation. And since ancient times, Moses has had those who proclaim him in every city and every Sabbath and, uh, and day and is read out loud in the synagogues. Wow. Read out loud in the synagogue. So where was it read? In the synagogues. Where's the word given? In the church. Listen, I understand we're doing this via uh, mediums of, of, of Facebook and live stream and, and, and of Instagram and a lot of other YouTubes and different ways that we get to get the word out. Isn't that awesome to use the technology today? But nothing, there isn't anything that takes place or, or can remove the power of the assembling of ourselves together. We need to get the body of Christ. I need this arm. What, would, what a tragedy if I could cut, the, if they cut it, severed my arm and they put it in a case, were able to preserve it. And I had it in my house. There's my arm, but it wasn't attached. It needs to be assembled for it to move. It needs to be assembled for me to raise it up. To lay hands on the sick, I need to have it assembled. They have to read it. That's why you need to go to church and you need to hear your preacher preach the word of God. You need to hear. And if you don't like your preacher, get to a church where, where it's not about the like or dislike, the air conditioning, the seating. You need the word of God to come across boldly in Jesus' name. Habakkuk 2 makes a statement. And then God answered, write what, what, write what you see. Write what you see, the message. Write what you see. Write it out. Make it in big block letters so that, it can, so, that, so that it can be read on the run. I like that. So that they may run that read it. No, it says that while they can, they're running and they walk by it, it's so big they can continue the race. Do you know why I constantly share what our mission statement is? It's so you should be on the run. You should be moving. And while you're moving, you should be operating in the things of God and say, I'm still moving for God and I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to run for Jesus Christ. Oh man, this is so powerful that you and I do this. Seven things to do with the word. Believe you got something out of this day. We need each other. I need you. You need me. I want you. You should want me. Word of God works. Man, it's so powerful. The word works. Now, Habakkuk said in, in King James that write the vision, make it plain that he that reads it may run. with. But I like what the message says. They could read it on the run. Do you realize that's the difference? When we, we get to next week studying the Word of God, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about more about that because that's so powerful. Thank you for joining us this evening. I believe that you got something out of this. And, and listen, I sure love you. I thank God for you. The Word works if you work the Word of God. Today was an awesome day. Tomorrow is going to be better. God's giving you another opportunity. If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.